You're listening to a podcast of Business News Background. A weekly roundup of the big stories here in Western Australia. Brought to you by Business News and Lush Digital. Well, welcome back to another edition of Business News Background. My name's Nick Hayes. I'm filling in for James Lush while he travels from Albany to Perth on his corporate philanthropy exercise for youth focus. Joining me is Mark Beyer, the news editor. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. And Mark Pannell, head of content. Good morning. Morning to you, Nick. Excellent. Gentlemen, a big week in news, uh, business news. We're looking at a Senate election coming forward and uh, on Sunday, Saturday, we'll be all going in and voting. It's the rerun of the Senate election. What does this mean for business, Mark? I mean, Mark Bayer, what does this mean for West Australian business? Well, a lot of it will hinge on whether one of the most colourful characters, Clive Palmer, manages to get a uh, senator elected for his Palmer United Party. Um, If he is successful, uh, that will give him a lot more sway um, in Canberra, um, and that'll have a a big bearing on things. Um, Look, it's really interesting the way things are panning out. Um, The general consensus seems to be that there will definitely be two Liberals elected. Um, There's also a view that there will be two Labor people elected, and that's a bit of a change from the last election. Um, There's a view that the, the protest vote against the old Labor government will have diminished somewhat. Um, And I guess people will always uh, have lost some support for Liberals now that they're in power. Um, So two Labor people seems to be the view. So what we're going to have is the Liberals fighting for that uh, a third seat for themselves. We'll have Scott Ludlam from the Greens and probably Palmer United Party, uh, Dio Wang is their lead candidate. So they're the three groups that will be competing most likely for those last two Senate seats. Mark, but Clive Palmer, he is a a big national figure now, uh, a Queensland businessman. Uh, He's trying to ride the the coattails. He's trying to push West Australian, that he is the fighter for West Australian business. Are, Are business people really listening to that? Do they really take what he has to say serious? Um... Look, there's nothing terribly sophisticated about Clive's election campaigning, um, but if you just look at the number of ads that are running in the papers and on the television and on the radio, um, he's throwing an extraordinary amount of money at this election. And just that name recognition is bound to have some impact when people go in and cast their vote. And that's what the major parties are really worried about. Mark Pinnell. You've seen Clive Palmer. I mean, you, you, you'd have to be blind, deaf and dumb not to have seen Clive Palmer and the amount of money that he's invested into this election. What's that going to mean to West Australian business you personally think that uh, might happen? Well, uh, look, I think the whole Clive thing, it's sort of like an analogy for this whole extra rerun. It's just a great big distraction from the real issues. I don't know that Clive will make much difference uh, if he gets there. He's anti the carbon tax and he's anti the mining tax. So, uh, you know, possibly that could be helpful to the Libs, but in terms of government and getting things through. But I think that the big problem is that I don't see that the Liberal Party is going to get that kind of Senate control they wanted. Um, I, well, I doubt they will anyway get that extra one in. Um, we're six months into a three year term and they're just not going to get the things done they want to get. And, uh, and that may have been different 
if this Senate election had been done properly the first time. Only may have, we don't know for sure, but it may have been different. So from my point of view for business here, we're just, I just suspect we're gonna spend the next two and a half years, and it's not that long, arguing over the same things we were arguing over previous to that, prior to the, the real election. And uh, I just think that business over here is very, will be very disappointed. Um, so maybe it is a catalyst to another election. <laughs> And I think that frightens everybody. We're already hearing about election fatigue and it, it drains business as much as it drains the population. Well, that was the question I was going to throw to you. Uh, what's the consistent consistency from West Australian business and uh, I, I suppose the feeling from West Australian business waiting on this election? I mean, how are we uh, waiting for this to happen so that business can have more confidence moving forward? I don't think this election will give any confidence to business. I don't think it will. And so I think, it, again, it's a big distraction. It puts people off. People don't make decisions. And I don't think there's going to be an outcome that will lead to decisions afterwards. So, you know, I, that, that might, that, and that's particularly in Western Australia, I think. I don't, I don't know that I can state how the rest of the nation goes. But the big suspicion is we do end up with a, a bigger election sooner than we want. I don't know. You know, I, I don't try and read the tea leaves too much with politics because it shifts so much. But I just know that business gets fatigued. They want to go out and sell things and do things. When people are worried about elections and the, the airwaves are full of Clive Palmer, it's difficult to sell your soap suds. It is indeed. And Nick, I think most people would have to acknowledge that at the last election, Tony Albert got a clear mandate on the carbon tax and the mining tax. Whether you agree or not, clearly he got a mandate because they were front and centre. And yet Labor and the Greens and various minor parties are frustrating his attempts to remove those taxes. Um, so as Mark Pownell said, there's a real risk here of gridlock in the Senate for another two and a half years. It's interesting that the Labor Party and the, the Greens have been pushing this line of balance of power and help give them the balance of power, but that was what got us in trouble in the first place, wasn't it? So it's, it's, a, it's an interesting take. Let's move on. So hopefully after Saturday we're going to have a, a result and, uh, and West Australian business can move forward. You guys have been doing a fantastic job covering the hotel situation here in Western Australia and you don't have to uh, be uh, a traveller, you don't have to be a business person to realise that it's a very difficult uh, position to try and get a hotel room under $300. There's more announcements on the front for hotels. Hilton's coming in. Mark Bayer. Yeah, look, this has been a really extraordinary period. We've gone through three or four weeks where every week there's another big group announcing a hotel development in Perth. So the most recent was Hilton. They're bringing their uh, Doubletree by Hilton brand to both Perth and Fremantle. Um, so they're adding about another 400 rooms to the market. Uh, Ritz-Carlton came in before that. Uh, the Western is developing. Crown is developing a new hotel. So we've added up the numbers and we're looking at about 1,800 new hotel rooms in Perth over the next two to three years. And that's an amazing increase in a very short period of time. At the moment, if you look at the five-star hotels in Perth, there's about 2,200 rooms. So we're going pretty close to doubling that number. Um, so it's going to be fascinating to see what impact that has on the industry. Uh, surely there's got to be some competitive pressure on rates. I think there'll also be some pressure on some of those older established hotels. Uh, they'll need to spend a bit of money to uh, spruce up their offering. Um, 
So look, it's got to be good for the market. It's got to be good for uh, for business travellers and for tourists. Um, but yeah, it'll be fascinating to see how well the market can absorb such a rapid increase. Mark, Mark Pennell, the rooms aren't going to all go empty, are they? We're not building these all up and no one's going to come along. Look, there's always that risk. Uh, you know, it's a very cyclical business, hotels, and, and and the truth is we, we, we had barely enough rooms for a long time and, and they barely made a cent and then we had a boom and there weren't enough rooms and the ones that were there made a, made a lot of money. So everyone's now come in. I think, you know, I think this is a realisation that Perth has grown substantially. It's been left behind and it needs to catch up. But with all these things, with every time this happens in any market, there's often a bit of overshoot. No matter that the government thinks there should be 1,900 rooms, you know, that's a, a magic number that you can, you know, you can calculate any way you want sometimes. So what I do like about this is a bit of geographic diversification within the city. So I think people have been saying Fremantle needs another hotel, for instance, for quite some time. They've got the Esplanade down there, uh, which changed hands reasonably recently and is really the only major infrastructure um, apart from Rendezvous, uh, right out, is it right? Rendezvous out, out at Scarborough, um, outside of the CBD or Burswood. So I think that potentially gives us a little lead here that Perth itself has grown to a point where perhaps people are thinking there's more than just being in the city. It's harder to get around. There is activity down there. So perhaps, uh, and, and, and Frio is a great place if you're going to have a convention or something like that. It's got its own um, its own ability to attract people. So I, I do take a plus, but I but so maybe in some of those rooms are down there. So maybe we're talking rather than eighteen hundred rooms in the CBD. There's a bit of a spread. There is development at the the brewery site, the uh, the Emu Brewery site, uh, uh, to in, in in recent days, in recent weeks, and that's got to be good news for development here in Western Australia. Uh, Mark, you've got uh, some intel on that, and that was some story that was uh, featured this week. Yes, um, look, the Emu Brewery site uh, next to the Mitchell Freeway, um, it's a uh, an infamous site in many ways because it's been through numerous hands over the past. 20 or more years, uh, in fact since uh, the brewery was demolished um, by Bond Corp as its old owner. Um, there have been numerous plans for high-rise towers. Every group that's owned it has got itself into financial strife and usually lost money on it. So there's a, a new group, it's an Asian investment group that acquired the site. Uh, they've got approval for three towers, potentially another hotel, um, an office tower, and an apartment tower. Uh, now what's really interesting, uh, site works are underway. Um, one of the building groups is in there at the moment. So after lying dormant for many, many years, it's really interesting to see um, that, that site finally uh, having some development activity. So we look forward to seeing um, whether it's one, possibly two, maybe even three towers go up on that site. That's incredible development that we're having here at the moment. Where is this all coming from, Mark Pennell? Yeah, well, look, I you know I don't actually understand the catalyst for that one. I don't know why, because at the moment, when you look at the CBD, most of the development that's taking place is in nodes or precincts that the state government has kind of set aside and really provided one major developer to get on with it. And we're seeing the difference, I think. And apart from Bookfield Place, which went up in the middle and a few other little things, we haven't seen something quite like this done by you know an individual or a particular group. I suppose you could put this into a precinct kind of 
um, portfolio in a way because it is three towers in a, in a precinct area. But um, I really, I don't, I don't yet get why that's changed, what's shifted. Um, and all I can say is it is a bit of a notorious site and these things do have that terrible thing where they, you know, they tend to pick the wrong moment. On the plus side, it's at that end of the city. I think the city, um, with what we've seen with congestion and transport, actually that, that western edge of the city is a pretty good spot now. You can get in and out of it a little more easily than you can get in and out of the middle. So I think it might have a bit of a selling point there um, if they can get it up and running. Well, let's hope that they do. Uh, coming up in the paper next week, you've got your quarterly corporate finance reports, Mark. The Zvenja Svantnenko, I'm a very difficult name to get around, but uh, didn't do a bad job of it. He's featuring uh, in next week's piece. Yeah. Uh, look, Nick, this is our quarterly wrap-up. Um, so we, we've gathered a lot of data on all the transactions that have happened. Um, look, generally, it's been a fairly soft market, um, not a huge amount of activity out there, uh, but we've got details on all the companies in WA raising capital. You know, quite a lot of gold miners have still been out there raising capital. Um, you know, there was a window of opportunity for them, and that's one of the themes that's come through. Um, when the markets take a bit of a kick up, people leap at that opportunity. So the gold miners took it. Um, and the other sector where people are seeing some opportunity is tech, uh, whether it's biotech or IT, or in this case, bitcoins. Now, yeah, this is uh, really fascinating. Um, so Zenya Shvetnenko, who made a lot of money from sort of online SMS marketing, um, has come back with a Bitcoin business, and his plan is to be the first person to have a company listed on the stock market that makes real money from Bitcoins. Um, so you know, that's a sign of the times when people think, oh, let's have a let's have a look at that and have a punt on that. So, you know. People are saying, well, the mining sector is in a bit of a bit of a slump. Where else can we put a bit of money? Well, that's, again, Mark Pennell, the whole thing. If mining is, is not going so well, technology is a great place for Western Australia and, and particular Perth businesses to get themselves involved. And with Zhenya involved in it, he's always backs a winner. Technology is the way to go, Mark? Well, I wouldn't say technology is the way to go, but... Uh, you know, 40 under 40 winner, and he was a, you know, he, he's a, he's, he knows his tech side. Look, I, I'm going to say this, right? Um, Perth, investment world, particularly West Perth, are fantastic at shifting to the opportunity, right? Yes, it's a mining capital. You know, I call it the other golden mile for, for the value that West Perth creates out of mining. But they can also shift. And in the dot-com boom in 2000, around then, gee, there were a lot of tech firms in WA, lots and lots, more than the average um, for a small, for a relatively small market. Um, and, you know, and when, and, and that didn't last, and we all know, and, and the, for the same reasons it didn't last elsewhere. And technology has shifted since then, and we all know how important technology is in our businesses. And to get, I mean, you know, our business is exactly the same. We're spending a lot on technology just to deliver literally the same product or new products. But, you know, so everyone's going through this. If you look at the tech that's going on, Zenya is right at one edge of it. I call it, you know, he's into the dark art of technology, you know. Mm. SMS marketing, we don't even know what the hell he was doing there. And Bitcoin, you know. He has some very serious backers, I might add. Craig Burton, Rod Jones from Navitas. uh, Those guys, you know, 
they are the guys who obviously they've made their money in well Navitas's education Craig Burton's made it in mining but they're prepared to, sh- to, to, to play at the fringe and see if they can be in the next wave but some of the other tech stuff that's coming out um, I mean Decimal's one and I one of the other ones was Stephen Go. oh Stephen Go, MiG-33 a little bit more of an SMS play actually but he's more social media he's a little bit more mainstream and then Decimal is definitely mainstream and we're seeing a lot of this at the moment this software as a service taking taking what is often a consulting or regular business that required people to do it, expensive people to do it, turning that as much of that into a software that you can sell to someone and then you consult on the edge of that. And, and Decimal, uh, you know, they're doing uh, financial planning, background software and, and service. So, you know, I, I see that as a, a real growth area. That's a real business. And WA's got as much of that as anyone else. You mentioned your 40 under 40 award winner in in Xenia. We should make a a special mention of it right now because it's very current, is the fact that Andrew Thorburn, who is uh, now the new CEO of the NAB, I bet that was in his resume, his 40 under 40 win. Oh, we're going to claim it. We got him there. Uh, Yeah, look, he he was one of the uh, original winners in the first 40 under 40 we had in 2002, one of the 40. Um, and, you know, I got an email yesterday. It must have just been announced from someone in Sydney saying, is this the first 40 under 40 winner to run a national bank? So, you know, and, and the answer to that is yes. Um, look, Andrew was only a very young fellow, really, and, uh, and he was state manager here. He wasn't from here, uh, but he was a lovely bloke. Uh, he was, he's a memorable bloke, and I cer- certainly can't say that we always remember every single one of the 40 that come through, but he was a memorable guy, and he's gone on to, you know, to a great you know, track record. So I think he takes over in August and we'll be milking that for everything it's worth and, and, and afterwards as well. Well, there's a message out to all executives out there. If you uh, want to make it to the top job, you better get yourself in the 40 under 40 every year. Great award. Gentlemen, let's finish off with uh, activity-based workplaces. Mark, what is an activity-based workplace? And this is featuring next week. Yep, look, this is one of the, the emerging trends in, in office design and layout. Um, I think if people think of terms like open plan and hot desking, uh, but think of a modern version of that, um, that's where the, the industry is heading. So there's some, some interesting businesses in Perth. Uh, PwC is one of the latest. Um, essentially, it's around re-engineering, terrible bit of jargon, but re-engineering the way their office works and having a layout that suits that. So, you know, I walk through the PwC office and it's just completely different from any traditional concept of an office. Um, It's got the feel of a cafe. It's got the feel of a lounge. Um, It's it's a very, um, it's really a real mix-up of of, of layouts. People don't have a regular spot. Um, They break up into groups and work together. Um, They break out into little meeting rooms. it, it feels very informal, very casual, um, and yet the people there tell us that it works really well for them. Uh, we're seeing some law firms do it. Um, as I say, some of the banking groups are doing it. Um, so yeah, look, it's really fascinating, um, but it's, it's, you know, it, it's open plan, um, but in a really interesting modern way. I'll go to you, Mark Pennell, on this one. Is there, is there a resistance to change, though, that everyone traditionally had their, their office, their own private space, and this open plan opportunity uh, that, that has been around for a long time always has its naysayers there. What is, what is the future of the office space? 
Look, um, funnily enough, I, I was talking to a school principal the other day, and so this isn't just about offices, right? I was talking to a school principal, and, and she basically said the same thing. You know, they've got hot desking, and, and in a sense, you know, I guess high schools in a way have been doing it forever and a day. Um, look, there is obviously some resistance to this. Uh, some of it's generational. Some of it's to do with um, the, 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 the jobs that people are in. Um, look, I still have an office. We have an open plan office and I still have an office because I want to be able to shut the door and have a meeting with someone. And, mm. and, and I guess alternative to that is you can go into a private office that's reserved for those things and you can book it. And I find, you know, maybe I'm old fashioned, but I find that challenging. But I think there's the, if there's resistance at the top, there's pressure from below. I think the younger people, the Gen Ys and younger want this kind of thing. Um, and I think it suits the project mentality or the project type of jobs that lots and lots of firms do. Even law firms now and the like, that, you know, they've got a big job on, everyone's got to meet. Having people strung over different floors in different offices doesn't work for that when they want to get together to do stuff. Um, and I guess the, the guys at the top, no matter how resistant to that they may be, have seen young people want it and I want, you know, we want the best of the young people and the projects require it and therefore I'm going to be the leader and I'm going to do it. And I think they're the guys that really bite the bullet. They're the one, the, the guy who's given up the dream of the office in the corner with the view and he's taken the open plan and he's in there with the people and, uh, you know, and, and if he needs a private room, he just goes off and ducks into a, a you know, a, a special secluded area that they have for that. So, you know, it, it, it's just a, yeah, it's a cultural change. Well, look forward to that in the paper next week. Gentlemen, a great big week in news. Hopefully we can put the Senate election behind us and start talking about the real matters that happen in West Australian business. Uh, this is the end. Uh, this is Business News Background. My name's Nick Hayes, filling in for James Lush. James will be back next week after his big bike ride. And gentlemen, let's have a good week in business. You've been listening to a podcast of Business News Background, brought to you by Business News and Lush Digital. For more information, go to the website businessnews.com.au.